are the Barclays. We are a husband and wife duo with a radically optimistic take on politics, culture, and how Christians might think about this crazy world. And today, well, we've had a bit of a break. We've had a bit of a break. It was summer. It was August. In Washington, D.C., things kind of shut down in August. That's true. I, I kind of like that, actually. It's reminiscent of college days, school schedule, like in the air, even in August, you just kind of feel because Congress is that's their big scheduled recess. Right. There's, but it's kind, it of in kind of the, European too. don't the Europeans take August off. It's like, I think longer. <laughs> <laughs> if I take August off, it's like maybe we do 5% less, 10% less. Right, right, right. But we there is kind of, working. there's kind of it in the air in the DC area of like, everyone's just over it. Yes. So we went on vacation. We went we to did. Disneyland and other places. I don't even remember now. I guess I traveled for work. We both went for work. We anyway, went, yeah, we were busy. We're glad to be back podcasting. Had a Substack a couple of weeks ago, previewing an upcoming Substack with Rachel's what annotated version of the talk that you gave yes. on how to suffer well, how can suffering happen with a good God. Exactly, exactly. It was a Q&A, so I'll write up a substack with some of these tough questions. But today we are diving right back in headfirst into the rocky shoals, perhaps shallow waters of, is there a crisis among men in this country? That's right. A lot has been inked on this in the past couple of months this summer, I think. Um, Richard Reeves is the author who wrote a book about this problem. He is, I think, would self-describe on the center left side of the aisle. Right. Works at the Brookings Institution or is associated with them, Mm -hmm. which is a big center left, biggest center left think tank. Which is notable because it seems like the maybe progressive side of the aisle has not wanted to focus on this as much as... Mm -hmm. It's been more of a focus of bringing women up to equality and minorities and whatnot. So the fact that a progressive wrote a book about the problem was notable. And so we're here. We're going to talk about it. We're talking about is is there actually a crisis facing men? What does that look like? Et cetera. So let's let's lay out the problems. Okay. What are the problems out there first? They are quite sobering. Um so just current data out there, uh, we'll, we'll rattle off a few of these. I have some numbers. I think, Rachel, you have some too. Mm-hmm. And th- these gave me pause. Like, So here's one. For every 100 bachelor's degrees awarded to women, only 74 awarded to men. So generally speaking, fewer men are going and even graduating from uh, with undergraduate degrees. And I was talking with a professor at a... You know, like mid-tier, entry-level uh, college in Michigan. Like a state university. State university. And he was saying in his, I think the general enrollment at his institution, 70% of students were women. Wow. Uh, generally speaking, like, you know, college degrees can have indicators on how well you perform in the rest of your life, mental health, income, you know, just generally speaking. This was a big deal when I was in college. I remember this big story came out and I think I, I, just, I even remember like the pictures on the news article. It was in the Atlantic or something. Huh. And it was at most public universities. I think it was 56% women at that time or something, something in the 50%. And people were in a tizzy? And people were in a tizzy because this was uh, the start of this trend. And huh. 
I remember, you know, it was this big concern because it was like, well, a lot of problems happen when <laughs> there are more women to men at a university and, you know, the dating pool is rough for women. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if women far um, outpace men and in, in the educated pool, because you tend to want someone at a similar education right. level to pair up with. And then I think now, much later <laughs> uh, than when I was in college, the problem's gotten worse and you see that marriage issue getting worse. Yeah. Which is, you know, good in a sense, because for most of human history, education was only for men. (laughs) Especially at the university level, it was 100% male. Right, right. (laughs) Up until like the late, mid 1800s. So, you know, resourcing this problem has fixed the problem. Women are getting educated. Yay. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But now they can't find partners. (laughs) (laughs) And the men aren't getting educated. Right. Uh, Some other, you know, sobering statistics here. Three out of four deaths of despair. In America, so is a death of despair like drug overdose, suicide? Uh, yeah, alcohol, uh, poisoning. Um, yeah, taking their own life. So three out of four of those. Wow. Are among men. Wow. Uh, th- that's the scariest statistic of all, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, what is bringing men in this country to that point? Mm-hmm. Another one, which we were both kind of uh, about is uh and you know in a good way um but i think is brought up by some scholars as perhaps contributing to a crisis in 2020 nearly half of women reported in uh that they out earn or make the same amount as their husband or romantic partner and in 1960 that was fewer than four percent of women right so good news there right like that's not that wouldn't be in the problem category necessarily it's just a it's a societal shift that happened rapidly Yes, and, and like this, this issue too is like a mixed bag of like, <laughs> like what are we talking about and uh, gender identity issues, um, which I think maybe has contributed to like w- w- the under discussion of it perhaps in some sectors. But what are some other numbers, Rachel? Yeah, I mean those were the most stark for sure. Um, I said the other big problem that has societal ripples are that. The labor force participation, so men working, um, by prime working age men. So we're not talking, you know, 65 plus. We're talking um, work-capable individuals. Those who are not in the labor force, um, that number has declined. And so there's there's 9 million prime working age men who are not in the labor force. Um, So these are men who should be, who could be working, who are not working at all. And, you know, presumably living either off of a family member or Uh off of um, government checks. Right. Or just, yeah, um, maybe under the table payments if they do have a job. Um, I wouldn't call it thriving. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. That is, that is, you said 9 million. 9 million. Nine and million that was, that was pre-COVID numbers. Wow. Okay. Um, so I think. It's, it's probably higher. Higher. Yeah. Yeah. I, and then even worse is yeah. um, last statistics for um, Reeves talks about black boys and men. Uh, the number of black men in prison is really alarming. 
um, of low-income black men born in 1980, one out of every seven, or 16% were in prison 30 years later. Wow. Not that they had been to prison, but they were in prison. So it's just... Currently, wow. Alarming. Yeah, so... So, so I think, I mean, I hear these numbers. I think it's pretty hard to deny that there is yes. some sort of crisis. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. I like to, as I like, as I want to do, as I like to do is the historical context. <laughs> All right, Taylor, what's the historical context? <laughs> History is important, Rachel. <laughs> but I think it makes that kind of this the question, this, um, is, is this an it, anomaly or tricky? Is this, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause sometimes it's like, Oh, the crisis we've never seen this before, but uh, there's this great essay, uh, I don't know, I won't, maybe not great, but helpful essay. It was interesting, thought-provoking, thorough in the Washington Post, uh, written by Christine Emba. And she had some just uh, context setting here. She says, anxieties around masculinity aren't unique to this moment. As early as 1835, she talks about Washington Irving lamenting that new American upper class's tendency to send our youth abroad to grow luxurious and effeminate in Europe. <laughs> and his alternative... A previous tour on the prairies would be more likely to produce that manliness, most in unison with our political institutions. And then in 1920, in an issue of Physical Culture (laughs) (laughs) magazine, uh, there's an advertisement to men on how to square your shoulders and to women some advice. She kind of had this parenthetically. It was weird. You know, it was bad. Uh, The advice to women. Shall I marry him? A lesson in eugenics. 1920. uh, Eugenics was hot. Um, you know, that ended poorly. And then there was an example in 1958. And I was even thinking, like, I'm going through Genesis right now. <laughs> Just, like, yikes. Uh, <laughs> crisis of, you know, masculinity uh, among men. You know, we have Cain and Abel. Uh, Cain killing Abel? Yeah. Uh, yes. Oh, boy. One of them killing. <laughs> <laughs> the brother. Killing yeah, the other killing brother. brother. And, like, the family dynamics all out of whack. You know, Laban's insane. Uh, you know, everyone has their problems. A lot of toxic masculinity. Yes, yes. <laughs> masculinity gone awry. Yeah, like it was. There were not a lot of um healthy. But would I would we describe trends. that as humanity gone awry? Like I, male, female, we all have tendency to sin. Maybe men are more geared toward violent sin. Yeah, uh, and like women also weren't making good decisions in those. Yeah. stories there's a lot of sin by women but they weren't murderous as often but to me they're kind of like this maybe it manifests differently and um oh i'm reading like the elon musk's biography right now that just came out of Walter Isaacson, like errol musk and there's he's interesting because the author interviews errol elon, errol? Mu- elon musk's father oh. elon musk's father so he's, he talks with errol he talks with elon there's disagreement on like what happened or not but like errol you know, making Elon stand there for three hours while he's berating him, calling him, you know, dumb and worthless. Uh, The physical violence that happened. uh, Elon was sent to this, like, South African, like, survival school for boys where the instructors encouraged them to steal each other's food. Wow. And the only way to, like, stop that was to, like, beat the other kids up. Oh, my gosh. So, like, oh, this explains a lot with Elon. (laughs) but it was just like I was thinking about this talk and or this podcast and like reading that. I was like, man, like what is what so is the, happening? <laughs> well, there. So there's two 
things but, that are in inter- And if I go quickly add okay. too, I think with, with like the crisis in men now, it's like, it's like, oh, it was better, you know, 50 years ago or whatever, or like rose colored glasses. But like maybe the, the problems were just different or shifted. Um, anyway. Yeah, I think though, different or shifted, there is a degree question, right? Like problems of, you know, men not being able to express emotion or, you know, have healthy relationships is one thing. Yeah. But more deaths of despair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was I that think too. that, I was that is that a too. higher degree yes, of just yes, being yes. emotionally unhealthy, right? Yes. Um, but I think that gets to this question of so there's a crisis for for men, which are all these things we've outlined, but then there's this whole thing of question of defining masculinity because you can't really say there's a crisis of masculinity if we don't have a definition of masculinity which maybe is the crisis which i think is (laughs) right right leading to this yeah yeah you know if if you think masculinity means you can't show emotion and so therefore you have a hard time having healthy relationships with women Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. making friends then it's going to lead to other problems in your life if you can't form relational attachments yeah. because you've never been taught what healthy masculinity looks like yeah. or anything. And it's interesting because we've mentioned these about two left kind of liberal outlets, Washington yeah. Post, Brookings Institution. Uh, I think kind of the facts are maybe catching up <laughs> with them in a sense. Like right. we, they can't, it's hard for them using they like they're not like monoliths, but like generally speaking, like the center left pr- progressive vision would have been in maybe the camp of like, gender like let's lift women up first feminist movement all on board for that but then at maybe the ignoring or saying we shouldn't be like we need to worry about women's rights and freedoms and opportunities and not talk about male and men's opportunities and crises right and and some of these authors even acknowledge that but and then on the right i think there has been much more like over the years of like addressing like crisis of masculinity you know how what does being a good man look like and that's much more woven into it and i think that the two like the right has been talking about this for decades has foreseen this problem and like the progressive progressive i think reaction is to just kind of maybe i don't know i'm just gonna like poo poo it or just kind of say oh this is what the conservatives do but now there's almost like this meeting at the top of like wow okay yeah three out of every four you can't deny these numbers yeah are men right but what's interesting, I, th- I read some of the, you know, back and forth on Reeves' book is per- the progressive side is still not wanting to say, you know, that it's because we are not, uh, I, on the right, you, I think there's this, well, it's a crisis of masculinity mm-hmm. that we are making we are trying to make men not be men, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And say that men are just like women. And and I think Reeves gets into this in the schooling problem that yeah, schools right. are really built to female advantages of like sitting still in a desk all day and um, mm-hmm. being quiet and... Passive and listening. Pa- passive listening, yeah. not kind of active, um, more kinesthetic, needing to get up and run around a bunch. And, you know, you're seen as a bad kid if you want right. to do that, which is really just a lot, the majority of boys' <laughs> natural behavior. Uh-huh, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. And so the left doesn't, often doesn't want to say there are differences between men right. and women, which I think it's down to this, like 
you kind of have to admit there are differences yeah. to fix some of these problems. Right, 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 right. Which can, yeah, maybe play into some of the hesitancy. And so, you know, there's extremes on both sides, if we're simplifying it to like two sides here. Um, in right. conservative circles, like it can swing too far into the like... In, Elon Musk's dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, right. Like that sense of, you know, we if they're not, boys aren't conforming, we have to like beat them or berate them into doing so. And boys can't cry and show emotion. Uh-huh. Like to be a man is just to be tough. And into like the violent, uh, sexist, like men's rights movement mm-hmm. on like the dark corners of the internet where, you know, women are the evil <laughs> that <laughs> right. need to be uh, conquered and kind of even going back to that like actual toxic masculinity. So, I mean, it's interesting here, though, like, there seems to be a growing consensus and like, okay, I think there are, there are maybe solutions or male traits that should be acknowledged and even like inculcated and like we're in this maybe moment of, dare I say, celebrated. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like, can we, can we do both at once? Like, you know, celebrate gender differences while respecting equal rights. Exactly. Like, why does it have to be a zero-sum game? Exactly, yeah, I don't know. Like, why can't you have classrooms that both celebrate how women learn and how men learn, or boys and girls learn? Yeah. And, you know, more resources into maybe some vocational vocational school for boys that it's more more of a kinesthetic trade, right? And, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's a lot of... And with like with a school environment, you know, thinking through like how can it be redesigned, we uh, like um, thought through anew from the bottom up, especially with advent of new technologies like artificial intelligence tools get integrated, can be more tailored to the student instead of being based on this kind of one size fits all model. Mm-hmm. I, do, I do think like maybe spending some time on our constant question in these shows of you know what how might christians think about this i do think like the biblical perspective has a lot to offer uh for many many reasons i mean even i listened to this fascinating lecture by this woman old testament scholar about you know the common critique is that the old testament is actually denigrating to women and she said if you look at it within the cultural context of, you know, the Hebrews running around in, you know, 2000, 1000 BC in the Middle East, like the rules given to the Israelites to, uh, you know, trim. So if, you know, they conquer like the Levitical rules, Mm -hmm. you conquer a a new tribe, like here's how you treat the women. It was much, much more humane (laughs) than the norm. To us, it sounds like, Archaic. Archaic. It sounds uh, denigrating, but it was a step change in mm-hmm. treatment of women at the time instead of just, you know, mere objects that you mm-hmm. had to just, you know, probably rape them and then kill them or you enslave them and, you know, don't treat them as human beings. And then in the New Testament context, uh, you know, like Paul's letters, especially, uh, you know, Husbands treat wives mm-hmm. uh, as you would treat yourself. Love your, you know, love your wives as you would love yourself, um, and you know, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Mm-hmm. Like blowing minds <laughs> at the time, and you know, Jesus associating with women, mm-hmm. women being the first to see the empty tomb and telling the rest of the disciples, women being, dis- you know, at the cross being his foremost followers. Lydia, a 
patroness of yeah so i mean i guess i'm getting more like the, the gender roles here but even then for for men i think i found it helpful leaders in my church like going through looking into jesus as kind of the model mm-hmm. like jesus the man like what did what did he exhibit uh if we can kind of get to like identifying traits because I think you're right, Rachel, in identifying as a vacuum and like, what does it mean to be a man? And some of these articles talk about, have anecdotal um, points of evidence. One even links to like kind of a uh, man on the street. Mm. <laughs> like, what does it mean to be a man now? I think there's just a lot of like, uh, I'm not sure, reactions. And I think the biblical view has like proactive, you know, here's what it looks like. Here's how you can be a man. Mm-hmm. I think maybe that that goes into this crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, Jesus exhibited a wide range of emotions. He cried. He had friends. Mm-hmm. It, it, he had anguish. He expressed emotions and had presumably deep friendships with the disciples. Oh yeah, as as you read the Gospels, and so I think a a big thing we haven't really talked about yet in this crisis. A lot of people think men, there's a lot of loneliness. Yeah, yeah I was just thinking that. We did mention yeah, the loneliness. Fathers. Like, like surveys about, you know, among men, different ages, like how many, how many, like, I think close friends do you have? And it's often like, sing, you know, certainly single digits, if not zero for some mm-hmm. age brackets. Uh, maybe like Pew Research or one of the Gallup polls mm-hmm. has done this. And it's consistently declined over the years. And I think, you know, as it, it talks about our male institutions have fallen apart, you know, there's not the club, rotary clubs and unions mm-hmm. and all of that that used to maybe exist. Um, and so, and now as churches, as people are kind of disassoci- disassociating from churches, mm-hmm. particularly fathers, I mean, where, where are fathers going to meet fellow father friends it's you know you don't really talk about it at work women talk about it i think openly at work like i talk with my female colleagues all the time about family stuff and challenges Uh to um you know being a working mom this and that but i don't i don't know if men do that as much well a couple things so you mentioned like the collapse of institutions and you bringing up jesus you know his example of friendship like losing i think there is like a in our culture, like, what does it mean to have a close friend? What does that even look mm-hmm. like? Often it just jumps straight to like romance in so many contexts. Mm-hmm. Like closeness can e- equals romance when that's not necessarily the case at all. Uh, so in the, like the Rotary Club example, I met someone who talked about his grandfather being a part of the Elk Lodge in Pennsylvania. Hmm. I was like, oh, wow, like, are you an elk too? And like, what was it like? He's like, oh, no, like my grandfather totally used that as an excuse to just go out and drink beer every night. <laughs> And like was not he was absent from his family, uh, <laughs> so I think there's this opportunity. And not every elk or like rotary person is that way, but I think it could be like there's trade offs. And there's like an excuse to leave the family. Yeah, and I think I've I don't even know if it's real, but like you know, like millennial dads. Are, yeah, <laughs> like be, can you be with your family and foster close male friendships? And that's one thing. Like I remember hearing a friend of mine who's older said his his fatherhood. In the in his forties was the loneliest time of his life, mm. and I heard that and like okay, like what can I do? You know, busy with family and with work. Uh, started doing it every other week, Monday night dads group, just mm-hmm. like base level. You know, we drink some bourbon, we just share about what's going on in our work lives, etc. Some you know sitting around and talking is not the best way to do it. 
um, activity can fit in. I saw one article preparing for this, like pickleball <laughs> will we'll solve the male crisis. <laughs> um, sure. And I think that's also like, I think in our current context, there's uh, not one right way. Well, they're probably like common principles for maleness, but if you know, if your thing is pickleball and developing friendships that way, great. If it's playing cards, great being connected with your family, with your community, uh, not being selfish. (laughs) Well, and I think this is a new thing that we, this millennials onward expect the father to be present. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. for the, the most part, I think now we expect more of a sharing as you know, what, what was your statistic? 50% of women in the household make as much or more than their husbands. Yeah. And so I think there is this now, there's a sharing of the financial burden. So there should, we expect a sharing of the family burdens as well. Mm-hmm. But I don't think culturally men have caught up to, you know, women go on play dates a lot mm. because women have recognized that it it can be very isolating raising children. So it's like, yeah, I don't have time to, you know, go out and do stuff alone with your friends. So we get our kids together so that we can get together. Right. And we go to the zoo together or go to a playground together. I don't really see men doing that. I see men at the playground alone with their children, Hmm. but I don't see them like calling their buddies, like let's all go to the zoo together with our kids like that. Uh, I don't think men have developed that rhythm as much as women have. I could be wrong, but yeah. 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 So there are, there culture can change. Like the culture has changed, but men's, institutions and norms I don't think have caught up with gotcha. the changes is maybe why we're seeing all fair. of this. Yeah. I don't know. Um, rates of marriage lowering too, which means, you know, fewer kids are being had, which can contribute to all this. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can end on like, I don't know, just some thoughts like, um, mm. think of like Jesus's example of emphasizing a friendship with other men, mm-hmm. uh, you know, looking out for the marginalized Hmm. Think of it like who he interacted with so many quote unquote unclean people. Hmm. Uh, he, you know, stayed connected to God. <laughs> hmm. uh, he, I think, had you know a service minded attitude. I think he also joked around. I think they're like male to quote male traits that he exhibited that often are lost. I think in reading the, the scriptures and the gospels in particular, uh, like a dry sense of humor. Hmm. Um, so I think there are like principles to be plucked out. I think that at least I've found helpful to kind of latch on to mm-hmm. um, the physicality of, you know, sailing and fishing and mm-hmm. cooking uh, mm-hmm. uh, certainly long walks in the wilderness. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think it's all mixed in there too with, I think everything else we value uh, of, yeah, the emotional sensitivity, the, meeting people where they're at, uh, the things that like maybe in the 1950s version of like what it means to be a man, I think, uh, like shedding those, I mm. think that's what Jesus can exhibit and be an example for, hmm. for us today. Yeah, that's great. So we probably didn't solve the crisis. No, we did not solve the crisis. But there's but... lots of woven stuff <laughs> woven in here that um, hopefully it's given you some food for thought. This is good. Thanks, Taylor. Join Taylor's dad's group on Monday nights. No. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Can't be too big though. Yeah. Uh, but if you're, yeah, truly, I guess if you're, if you're a guy out there interested, let me know. Love it. Stinkers and thinkers. Stinkers and thinkers. All right, Taylor, what is your stinker? My stinker. Uh, on the plane last night, I watched, I think it's called 65, new Adam Driver sci-fi movie where I thought it was a cool premise, like crashes on earth 65 million years ago. What does he have to deal with? Dinosaurs. Pretty cool, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. I've never even heard of this. What? I was like, Rachel, do you want to watch this? He said, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was like, sci-fi, I'm out. (laughs) And then, but I was just like, oh, like. Like we, they, it was this kind of like emotional thing with his like did, sick daughter back on the planet, oh. and then like, then this like he crash lands on Earth, and it's like of course like another young girl he has to survive with, and it was <laughs> like oh, I don't really care about these characters at all. Like oh, maybe I like it. Kind then. of boring. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't even think he did a good job of that. Like what was that one film he did with uh, Scarlett Johansson, like the Marriage <gasps> Movie, which Oof. was just like too brutal emotionally is that how this was no oh okay it was like the cardboard version of that (laughs) uh with some like cool it it didn't win on anything on the emotional side Eh, like cool dino cool dino action um some cool sci-fi stuff it's only an hour and a half okay which is rarer uh and that was my stinker Rachel, what's your stinker? So my stinker is this uh, new season of The Morning Show, which is uh, <laughs> Apple TV with, we really like the first Are we still going to watch it? Oh, yeah. I'm still oh, going to yeah, watch right, right, right. it. But man, just pet peeve preachiness. So it's the show with Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Aniston, and they're like news anchors fighting for justice and women and, you know, all that. But then this... This season, they get into abortion politics and just like acting like everyone else who doesn't believe the same as them is a complete unjust idiot. <laughs> and so I just. Ugh. That's true. It did but come across it that bugs way. Me. Like everyone who lives in Texas is stupid. Yeah, basically, it was like Texas, it's the evilest empire. Isn't <laughs> yeah, <it? no. sighs> so that's my that's my stinker. Maybe uh, I won't watch the rest of it, actually. I'm so annoyed. <laughs> I'm on my own if I want to keep going. Yeah. Uh, I guess my thinker is... I thought I had my thinker. Oh, it was uh, the C.S. Lewis Space Trilogy. I finished it yesterday. Oh, you did? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you sounded so happy. Um, read all three. I read That Hideous, that Hideous Strength, which is the third book in high school. Remembered nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> except like a couple characters and then read the first two because I hadn't read those at all. It's basically this allegory of Christ's salvation and maybe a bit of like, you know, what would happen about saving aliens, (laughs) salvation for aliens, you know, character ransom, who I guess is based on Tolkien. Tolkien I learned from our friend, um, goes to Mars in the first book and there's like creatures there who, you know, talk, have language. And then, then the second book goes to Venus, which is kind of like an untouched as if, you know, 
the fall never happened. Mm. And then the third book is about earth and the whole, in this universe, earth has basically been cut off from like kind of the good spiritual encounters mm. and the, um, essentially like his enemy territory. Uh-huh. Uh, and then there's, you know, allusions to like, you know, scientism kind of leading uh-huh. and like resulting in all these moral failures oh, and that being like a tool of like the enemy. And uh, how different is it from like Chronicles of Narnia? Very. Okay. 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 <laughs> I mean, it's, I, I wouldn't say it's like the first two are kind of like meh in terms of story and creativity. The third one is I felt like, wow, it's like almost a different, like author it's like much meatier more thought process merlin makes an appearance Mm. um uh what does say like narnia's are like wow there's like full-blown like fantasy series where this was like still sci-fi i would say yeah and fun but um not as popular so yeah c.s lewis space trilogy all right space again (laughs) um (laughs) most of the universe is space rachel (laughs) Not my can't, universe. Can't ignore our space. <laughs> uh, my thinker is the TV show Hijack, which Taylor's mom had us watch. Oh yeah! And shout it out was to Anne. Really good with Idris Elba, also on Apple TV, and it was just yeah, fascinating on like the negotiations and decision making. If you were on a plane that was hijacked, ah, um, very stayed up good. too late. Yeah, I couldn't stop watching, but. <laughs> Until I fell asleep, but it is very, very good. Highly recommend. That was fun. Interesting character. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for being back with us. We hope to be a little more frequent. Um, but yes, thanks for tuning in. Subscribe to our Substack. We're the Barclays, and this is Radical Optimism. <laughs>